everyone. Good to see this house full of people thirsty for God. Amen? Amen. Who's here for the very first time? I know about Martha's parents. They're there. Very welcome. Anyone else who's here for the first time? Wow, so many people. You guys come from Poland, right? Yes, okay. Good call. Where do you guys come from? Ireland. Ireland. Welcome. Wow. Mozambique. Amazing. Where else? Latvia. Welcome. Welcome this morning. Anyone else? U.S. So far away from here. (laughs) Amazing. And? Philippines. Nigeria. Almost every single continent on this planet. Let us give a, a hand of applause to all of our friends who are visiting this morning. Thank you. Thank you for choosing to worship God with us this morning. It is our privilege. We feel so happy to have you with us and um, also sharing um, God's love. This is what God's family is all about, sharing God's love with each other. And uh, we hope that you've got to meet some of uh, the God's family in this place during breakfast. But if not, stay a little longer after the service. We'll, we definitely want to get to know you. And if you are planning on staying in Lisbon for the long run, we can definitely give you some tips on how, to, how life starts in Lisbon. Um, This morning, we'll continue a message series that we're at called Summer of Parables. And uh, if you haven't heard the previous messages, I uh, wholeheartedly encourage you to go on Spotify and listen to the previous messages. I promise it's worth of your time. Um, Parables, and when we came up with this message series, Summer of Parables, sometimes people feel Summer of Parables, it, it feels like something very light. It feels like something that a church does during summertime, that it's not going to be super heavy, super theological. So it's, it's summer, so we need to keep things light. But I can guarantee you, so far it hasn't been the case, and I don't feel this is going to be the case today. Because Jesus used parables to challenge the status quo. Jesus used the power of of simplicity and relatability when he told parables. These stories in the Bible, they have the potential to change our perspective on key life matters. They go beyond cultural barriers. They unapologetically talk about the best and the worst that you can find in any human being. Parables do not sugarcoat the truth. They tell the truth as it is. They go deep inside the human heart because that is the only way that God can change our hearts. So let's pray for that change that God is going to do in our hearts today as we listen to his word this morning. Amen? So let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for this beautiful, amazing morning that you are giving us with each other, but most of all in your mighty presence. We're grateful that we love such We love such a beautiful God, a wonderful God that loves us so much. A God that went over and above in order to save us in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you that we can be your family together because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
And now this morning, Lord, as we open your word, as we read your word, what you have prepared to share with our hearts this morning, Lord, we, we pray that our hearts will be open to listen to this parable, that our hearts will be open to change anything that needs to be changed in us. And Lord, thank you that uh, we know that you already helping us open our hearts to listen and apply the word that we're going to receive. We are so grateful for all things that you will do this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Are we ready to listen? Amen. So let's open our Bibles, and you can also follow from the screen in Luke chapter 12. And right before the parable that we're going to read this morning, this is what the beginning of the chapter says. So it gives us some context. The Word of God says, By now a crowd of many thousands had gathered around Jesus. So many people pushed to be near him. They began to trample one another. So when Jesus tells parables, and you will see this in the Gospels many, many times, when Jesus tells parables, usually there's a crowd involved. Usually there's so many people involved. And in this specific one, it's probably at the peak of Jesus' ministry. Jesus was probably... Never famous as he was at this point. Thousands of people were trampling on one another just to be closer to Jesus. This is a beautiful kind of thirst. I don't, I don't think that any of you, in order to get into this, this house, you had to trample all over each other. It was probably, we, that's why we have a really large entrance, is that no one needs to be on top of each other. There's, there's room for everyone in this, in this auditorium. But I love the fact that this is the kind of thirst that people had for God. I love the fact that people just wanted to be a little bit closer to Jesus. I don't want you necessarily to be a little bit closer to me this morning. That's most of the seats that are vacant are actually right here in in front. But when we talk about Jesus, if Jesus was in this place, I think this would probably be our attitude. I hope that this would be our attitude. We just want to be a little bit closer to Jesus. And that is why we have come to to listen to God's word. Because we know that through the word of God, our hearts become a little bit closer to Jesus. Thousands of people, and Jesus starts speaking about the kingdom of God. We don't have much time to go through the whole chapter, but you can do that at home. Luke chapter 12, you can read it at home. But Jesus starts speaking about the kingdom of God. Speaking against hypocrisy, encouraging those who believe in him to remain uh, trusting God in the middle of, of hardships, trusting in God's care over their lives, remain faithful in spite of persecution that would come from the Romans, that would come uh, from the Jewish leaders and the rest of society. And then Jesus really gives this wholehearted speech, this really beautiful speech about all of these different topics. When in verse 13, we start reading this. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide with me the property our father left us. But Jesus said to him, Who said I should judge or decide between you? Then Jesus said to them, Be careful and guard against all kinds of greed. Life is not measured by how much one owns. And it's so interesting to see such a change of pace in Jesus' speech. 
Jesus was talking about really important matters about the kingdom of God. And someone in the middle of the crowd kind of rudely interrupts Jesus in the middle of his teaching with a matter that had nothing to do. And you can testify that when you read in your own time. It had nothing to do with the things that Jesus was teaching. This man demands Jesus to settle the dispute between himself and his brother about his father's inheritance. Now, this was most likely the youngest brother that had no right to his father's inheritance, but was demanding his older brother to divide it. Now, two things we learn about this man and why Jesus was not flattered by this request. Jesus pointedly responds, let me tell you a parable about a fool. This is the reason why God is tell, Jesus is telling a parable. Why was this man acting like a fool? First, this man was definitely not listening. And it shows us that we can be so deaf. Jesus can be speaking the greatest thing about the kingdom of heaven. God can be speaking about amazing, beautiful things that he wants to do in our lives. God can be speaking encouragement and, and peace and trust that we need to build inside our hearts. But we are so self-centered, we are so self-absorbed that the universe was too, his universe was too small and he was in the center of it. How many times are we simply not listening? How many times God is speaking to us and our minds are so focused on things that don't really matter at that moment? How many times our ears are so far away from what God is saying and that needs to be changed in us? And secondly, this man didn't come to Jesus asking for wisdom to settle this dispute with his brother. This man didn't come to Jesus with humility, asking Jesus, I'm going through this hardship, what should I do? No, this man assumed that Jesus was on his side. This man assumed that Jesus would agree with him that, that, that he was right about this dispute that he had with his brother. So he was trying literally to manipulate Jesus. And because of them, manipulate his brother in order to get exactly what he wanted in that situation. Because this man assumed, what was Jesus' moral position? This man assumed, what was Jesus' position on different things in life? And we can also be guilty of this. We come to Jesus many times with our own agenda and we say, Jesus, this is what I need. And I believe that you want this to happen in my life as well. So this is what I need you to do. This is what I need you to, um, to make happen in my life because otherwise things will not work out. I know that you side with me on this. I know that you, you know that I'm right on this. And how many times do we do this to Jesus? We just assume that Jesus will do, wants to do exactly what we think we, he wants us to do. We think there's a formula Oh, if Jesus did this with someone else, that's exactly what I should expect in my life as well. There's no magical formula with Jesus. Because Jesus deals with the human heart. Jesus knows exactly what is going on inside of us. The same request can come from two very different people because their hearts are positioned in two very different ways. God is more interested in the attitude of our hearts than on the, re the exact request that we ask. If he had come to Jesus, Jesus 
This is happening, and I don't know why I'm so mad. I don't know why this is just bringing so much turmoil inside my heart. I believe this isn't fair, Lord, but please help me know what is your will regarding this. Help me to understand how should I act with my brother because of this. Help me to understand why is my heart this, this greedy or so upset with this whole situation. There's a difference in the attitude and the humility When we need to approach Jesus. So we cannot assume where Jesus stands on our problems and challenges. We always have to come to him listening in humility. And be willing to obey the things that he tells us to do. Now every parable that Jesus tells has a simple main lesson. And Jesus basically gave it away. Gave away the lesson right before he even told the parable. And it's this, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, it must be really nice to have lots of money. I cannot speak (laughs) from experience, but I can only imagine. I know that you're not necessarily happier because you have lots of money, but you can definitely surpass many of life's struggles and difficulties because of money. The difficulties that 90% of people on this planet go through because at some point they will lack some money. But is this enough to make our lives about gathering possessions? Jesus is saying no. He says, watch out and guard yourself from all types of greed. We can define greed as an intense and selfish desire for something. And notice that Jesus is not just talking about greed of money. Jesus is talking about all types of greed. Because greed can assume many different forms. It can be money, but it can also be fame, can be possessions, can be attention, can be compliments, it can be gifts, it can be someone else's time can be so many different things. And in the Bible, the word greed is always used to describe the selfish motivation of a person. So when Jesus is talking about greed, he's talking about the selfishness that exists in all of us, that we all have to deal with regarding money, but it goes way beyond money as well. So let us go into the parable that Jesus decides to illustrate this lesson with. So let's read together in Luke chapter 12 and start reading in verse 16. Then Jesus told this story. There was a rich man who had some land, which grew a good crop. He thought to himself, what will I do? I have no place to keep all of my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and other goods. Then I can say to myself, I have enough good things stored to last for many years. Rest, eat, drink, and enjoy life. But God said to him, foolish man, tonight your life will be taken from you. So who will get those things you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for those who store up things for themselves and are not rich toward God. Now, this parable is usually titled, The Rich Fool. But to be honest with you, this is God's verdict on the situation, not necessarily ours. 
To many, this guy in the parable is not a fool. He's a role model. He made good business decisions. He made clever investments. He had a land. He worked. He got an abundant crop. He did what was seemingly cautious, practical, and successful. There is no suggestion in this parable that he made his money as a criminal or in an unfair way. And most people would admire someone like this. He carefully watched his money and did what what most of us would do. He carefully planned what he would do with his money so that he could get even more money and could live a comfortable life because of that. Most people would envy this man. And his beautiful properties, his beautiful house, his wonderful lifestyle. But Jesus pitied him. The rich man had what we can call a pleasant business problem. He had an abundant crop and his barns were not enough. He had so much money that there were no bank accounts enough to to keep all the money that he had. This kind of fruit of our work, I think it is a blessing from God. If you go read the the book of of Proverbs, if you go see Ecclesiastes, it talks over and over again of the blessing that it is to see the fruit of our work, to, to enjoy the fruit of our work. So in this parable, Jesus is not speaking against this man because he was successful. Jesus has no problem with our success. What he had a problem with was the way that this man handled his success in life. What did he do? He stored up. He kept all of the money for himself. He kept all of the fruit of his work for himself. And Jesus says, that is foolishness. This is simply foolishness. 99% of the people on this planet wouldn't say it's foolishness, but Jesus says, this is foolishness. In another part of of the Word of God, Jesus explains a little further, why is this foolishness? So let's read together in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Jesus says, Don't store treasures for yourselves here on earth, where moths and rust will destroy them, and thieves can break in and steal them. But store your treasures in heaven where they cannot be destroyed by moths or rust, and where thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will be where your treasure is. God calls this storing up attitude foolishness. It's foolishness because the logic for storing up is destroyed by this simple question that Jesus asked this man. Tonight your life will be taken from you, so who will get those things that you have prepared for yourself? Life cannot consist about keeping possessions and holding on to possessions and accumulate possessions. Jesus is again not saying that you are not entitled to be successful in life. That's not what he is saying. But thinking that the purpose of your life, thinking that the purpose of your earthly possessions is merely for you to store up in order to live the comfiest of lives that you can possibly can for yourself That is foolishness before God. 
The earthly possessions were the only kind of treasure this man was ever occupied with. It was the only kind of treasure that this man only cared about. And unfortunately, I think in this day and age still, it's the only kind of treasure that most people are worried about. This man was thinking that he was making the wisest decisions in order to take care of his life, take care of his future. But the Bible says that he was actually doing the opposite. Greed says the goal of life is to relax, eat, drink, and live life. These things are good. We like to rest. We like to eat and drink, especially the things that we like to. We like to enjoy life. But is this the goal of life? God says, you were created to carry my glory. You were created to carry my love. You were created to carry love for each other. Greed is an anti-God behavior. Greed is an anti-everything that has to do with God. Selfishness is anti-God behavior as well. And if we allow greed and if we allow selfishness to take on the, the, the role and the command role in our lives, your heart will be where your treasure is. It means that you cannot cherish God and you cannot treasure the things of God if you are mostly treasuring the things that you find on this earth. So... The question that this parable gives to us this morning is, where are you tre uh, storing your treasures? We all have treasures. Where are you storing your treasures? Are you just storing your treasures on earth? Are you so focused in protecting and caring for your own life that you forget to bring the abundance that God has given you into, back to God into his mighty hands. So maybe we can ask God today. God, what do you think about the way that I'm storing up my treasures? God, what do you really think about the way that I'm managing the resources that you are entrusting me with? Now, we don't pray this prayer many times, I think, because we're afraid of the answer. Because I think most of the times, if we ask this and we ask this question honestly, we will feel judged. Because probably we're not handling our resources the right way, God's way. If we discover greed in our hearts when we pray this prayer... God doesn't want you to despair. We all have our shortcomings, and especially when it's regarding our financial area. We are all imperfect stewards of the blessings of God. And it's only natural to, to struggle with greed. And if you don't believe with me, just have a baby and watch them grow. I can tell you that Jade says maybe 10 to 20 times a day, it's mine. É meu. She says it in Portuguese because that's how she defends herself against her colleagues from school. É meu, it's mine. Don't, don't take, uh, take it away. I'm going to take it away because it's mine. 
Kids are selfish by nature. And it does require a lot of time and personal investment to teach them how to share. And, and as any baby, any creature of God, any human being, we all struggle with the sense that I'm entitled to this. This is mine to keep. I want to enjoy this. I don't want to share it with anyone else. But Jesus is the answer to our shortcomings. Jesus is the answer when we fail to do the will of God in our lives. Even in this area of greed, Jesus is the answer. Because he has a purpose in the way that he blesses us. He has a purpose when he entrusts us and when he makes our crops grow in abundance. We don't have to follow the rhythm of the world around us. We don't have to do exactly what everyone else is doing with their time and money. We can choose God's way. We can choose Jesus' way. We can live differently. And we can start by today setting different priorities in how we manage our resources. So how do we fight greed? How do we store up treasures in heaven? Because that's what Jesus is challenging us to. How do we do that in practical terms? Let's read together 1 Timothy chapter 6 and starting in verse 17. The word of God says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be soaring up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. So just this passage alone gives us so many important tips, so many important life hacks, so many important ideas that we need to apply on how God designed us to manage the resources that he has given us. The Bible starts speaking, teach those who are rich in this world. I know that you don't feel rich. None of us here in this place consider themselves rich, I think. Because there will always be people that have more than us. But there will always be people that have less than us. People call, uh, so many, in many countries of the world, they look at Portugal and they see us as a rich country. They see us not as people that are just getting by. They see us that we have more than enough to eat, to drink, to live and enjoy life. And that is being rich. But the Bible says, teach those who are rich in this world, teach those that have abundance more than enough to meet their immediate needs that they cannot be proud. If you have an abundance, if you have more than enough to take care of yourself today, don't let this take over your heart. Yes, we all have... Play a role on the way that we get resources. You dedicate yourself to your job. You are creative. You invest. You, you sweat a lot. You do everything it takes in order to produce some sort of good. But the Bible is saying, do not become proud about it. You know why? Because your health, your intelligence, your creativity, your ability to work, they don't depend on you. 
It comes from God. Being able to work is a blessing that comes from the Lord. So at the end of the day, we cannot be proud of what we have. Everything we have comes from God. Everything we have comes from His mighty hand. So we cannot start by becoming proud about our possessions. Jesus said, apart from me, you are able to do nothing. And this is true. Apart from Jesus, we're not able to do anything. And the Bible carries on saying, money is unreliable. Don't trust money. Money is unreliable. More than ever before. Nowadays, your money depends on taxes, depends on interest rates, depends on exchange rates, depends on depreciation of property. Even the money that you have at the bank is now real money. It's virtual money. You go to the ATM and you print a statement. Those are just numbers and paper and ink that says a little bit of how much you have. But it's super unreliable. Especially if you have a bank in Portugal. I don't want to make you afraid of anything. But some of people's savings, lifetime savings, had just went down the drain. Because sometimes banks don't handle your money the right way. Money is so unreliable. Don't make it a priority in your life. Having more money cannot be the priority of your life. Instead, their trust should be in God. Luke 12, 28 says, God clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today, but tomorrow is thrown into the fire. How much more will God clothe you? But seek first the kingdom of God and all the other needs that you have will be met as well. The Bible says that first we need to seek the kingdom of God. First we need to trust God with our lives. Don't trust money. Don't trust your resources. Don't put your eggs, all of your eggs, in your ability to collect wealth. Instead, choose to trust God. Choose to trust God that is clothing the the flowers in the field. Trust God that takes care of the birds in the sky and says, you are a lot more valuable to me than the flowers in the fields and the birds in the sky. God cares for you. He's interested in your well-being. So why do we have to be so anxious, so worried, so busy in gathering more and more money for our future when God says, I will take care of you? And the Bible says, God richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. It means that God not only gives you what you need, but He cares about the way that you enjoy life. Some people think that if God is handling your money, you will never do anything that is fun. If God is handling your money, you have to give it all away and live uh, in the bridge somewhere, and you, won't, you have to be basically living as a beggar. No. 
God cares for you. God wants to give you more, exactly even more that you need so that you not only need it can be a blessing to others, but God is also caring that you are able to enjoy life. The good things about life. He cares for your needs and the enjoyment that the, those needs carry with you. God is a father. And a father loves to spoil their children. I don't want to just make sure that, that Jade has enough food to survive. She doesn't eat soup every day. We give her treats from time to time. We give her ice cream from time to time. That is not necessarily for her nourishment, but it's for her to enjoy life. And if we do that as human parents, how much more our Father in Heaven does that for us? I believe that you know that your Father in Heaven takes care of you and is giving you more than what you need. He is giving you even things that you simply desire in your heart. And the Bible says that you, if you submit your ways to the Lord, if you trust Him with the desires of your heart, that He will meet them. He knows the things that it makes us enjoy life. And He takes care of that as well because God is a good Father. Years ago, I struggled with this concept. Because I struggled financially, I was earning less than the minimum wage. And some of you probably are in the, this situation right now. It's really hard to picture life and picture a father that spoils us when we have so, such little money. For me, it would be a crime to go to a coffee shop and ask for a bottle of water, to pay for water. That's a crime. But I had to repent for my understanding. I had to repent for my greediness because it was inversed. I thought that God wasn't enough to meet my daily needs. I thought that God was just giving me what was necessary to get by. And I had to repent from this idea. I had to trust that God had more in store for me. I had to believe that God was not, that money was not the God of my life, but God was the God of my life. We need to change our perspective about God. That's the only way that not, we ourselves are not only going to be able to enjoy life, but the only way that we can ever be a blessing to others. If we do not trust God to meet our daily needs, how can we give to others? How can we be generous? How can we be sensitive to other people's needs? Money is just an instrument for us to see the goodness of God unfolding on this earth, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. God cares for us, for us richly. The Bible carries on saying, use your money to do good. My friends, money is not evil. We can do a lot of good with money. Loving money is the problem. That's what a lot of people struggle with. But we can do a lot of good things with money. It's not throwing money at our problems. It's not throwing money at people's problems. But money can contribute to long-lasting solutions to many of the problems that we see around us. God wants us to help empower other people and purchase necessary tools so that those can be a blessing to help other people as well. But the Bible also says, don't forget to do good works. 
just because you have money, it doesn't mean that that's the only way that you can help. And you should help others. The Bible says that we need to be rich in good works. So don't just throw money at problems. But God trusts you to use your life to be a blessing to others. To give of your time. To give of your talents. To give a listening ear. To give a hug to someone. God is entrusting you to make a difference in people's lives. And that doesn't just involve money. Be generous to those in need. I know for a fact that many of you have this attitude to your brothers and sisters in this congregation. I love the way to see your love in action. How you take care of one another when people go through sickness, when people go through sudden unemployment, when people go through some of the hardest challenges in life. Your hearts are open to be there and to give, to help make ends meet. And the Bible tells us exactly that. Be generous to those in need. Well, our goal should always, always try to be compassionate when people are going through hardships. And lastly, this verse uh, tells us always be ready to share with others. Sharing is not necessarily the idea of giving. That you give... And you, yourself, you're not enjoying those resources because you gave it away. Sharing is something a lot more complete. Sharing means that you, yourself, are enjoying and you are inviting others to enjoy what you have alongside of you. Sharing is you bought a pizza for yourself and you don't have to eat it all alone. You can spare a few slices and give to someone that is next to you. That is sharing because you, yourself, are satisfied. And what God is giving you is also what other people need in order to be satisfied. And many of you know this, that sharing is caring. And maybe the person you are sharing your pizza with, they bought ice cream. And afterwards, you're not just going to eat your pizza, but you're going to finish your meal with a bit of ice cream as well. Sharing is in the heart of everything that comes from, from God. We always need to be ready for sharing. These are practical tips. These are things that we need to do. Be practical about it in order to overcome greed. These are things that God is calling us to do and be aware of them. In order to live the life that God calls us to be, the Bible says, by doing this, you will be storing up your treasures as a good foundation for the future so you may experience true life. Who would have said that money had anything to do with experiencing true life? Jesus is saying exactly that. What you have, the treasures that God has blessed you with, the things that God has put in your hands to manage, you will see and experience the true life that God designed you to live. If we start living by the rules of the kingdom of God, if we start applying them into our lives and not just live like the rest of the world is living right now, but dare to be different and dare to trust God and not money, the world would be a very, very different place for all of us if we fully understood what it means to not be like this rich fool.
I want to invite the worship team to come. And this is quite a bit of a challenge. And I'm not just saying this about your life. Because we also have to manage our own finances. Everyone in this place worries about money. Everyone in this place thinks about it and and needs to plan about the future and needs to think about the different ways that we need to safeguard not only ourselves but our families. And we definitely want to do everything that we can in order to be wise. So I'm not saying that because I want Jay to go to college one day, I want Jay to have a good life. I want Gabby and I to... If God allows us to grow older, to have what we need and make wise decisions in the meantime, God is not against that by no means. But we need to make sure that this is not the purpose for our lives. We have a greater purpose in life than to just take care of ourselves so that we, when we grow old, we might have everything we need. Our lives are made to carry the glory of God and to see the glory of God unfold every single day of our lives. And God is counting on you. There are steps that you and I, we need to start making. When you look into your bank account, are you seeing God in it? Are you letting God challenge you to be more generous? Are you allowing God challenge you to make a difference in people's lives around you? Are you willing to make some sacrifices today in order to stir up treasures in heaven? I want to invite you to stand with me as we pray. Now, I don't have a formula because there is no formula. This is between you and God. What I'm carrying in my heart is between me and God. But as you close your eyes this morning, we believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit that is with us, the presence of God that lives in us. And He's our helper. He's our counselor. He's He has all the wisdom that we need at any point of our lives to make the right decisions. And maybe right now you're in a crossroads and you have to start making some decisions with your money, with your life, with your future. And I just want to challenge you to invite God into it. Don't rely on your own wisdom in order to make those choices in life. Ask God, God, how am I managing my treasures? How am I managing my future? How am I storing up treasures in heaven? Because God is counting on you. Not to be a rich fool, but rich in, in the sight of God. Rich in all things regarding what God wants you to be rich in. Lord, we want to bring our hearts before you this morning. Oh, Lord, it's such a big challenge that 
you present us. And I don't feel that none of us are satisfied in the, in the way that we are handling our finances and seeing the way that we handle the treasures that you've entrusted us with. We're just stewards of your blessings and the abundance that you've shown us every single day, Lord. You've blessed us with more than enough so that we can be a blessing on this earth. And Lord, I, I thank you that in this community, we have so many people that are such an example in that. People that are so giving, are so generous, are so ahead of us in the way that they, they want to make a difference in people's lives, in the way that they want to honor you with their finances, Lord. And we thank you for them. And we pray, Lord, that you will keep blessing and, and in abundance so that they can keep being such a blessing to others around them. Lord, but there's always room for improvement. There's always things that we need to take care of. And you said, be, be careful with greed. Lord, and if there's a, any seed of greed in our hearts, if we have allowed selfishness to take over the way that we look into our finances, Lord, Lord, we want to say, forgive us. Lord, help us not to look at money as the solution to all the problems, as everything that really matters on earth. Help us to trust that you are God. That our trust should be in you above anything else. That you are a God that is able to take care of us. You are our provider. Father, and if there are people in this place that are struggling right now due to unemployment or sickness or whatever it is, Lord, we pray that you will be the God that provides for them today. God, open the right doors for their lives today. Help us, Lord, to live with more than exactly what we need to survive so that we can be the blessing that you've called us to be. Lord, but even if we have little, help us not to be greedy with the little that we have. Like the widow that just had two coins and gave it in the temple. Help us, Lord, to be generous and to meet the needs that are around us with the resources that we have so that we can see the abundance, the hands of Jesus that are able to multiply. Father, help us to make a difference. Not only in the lives of, of our family members, but in the lives of those that are around us. Help us to build your kingdom with the tools that you've entrusted us with. Continue to do the good work that you've started in our hearts. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are correcting and blessing us this morning. We give you all the honor and all the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.